Hello, I'm Matt Ford, and welcome to a podcasted version of Unspun. I should uh, just say that this was recorded prior to the attack in Westminster. We record this on a Tuesday, and as you know, the, the awful attack uh, happened on Wednesday. We postponed the show on television. It will be broadcast uh, a day later. But we also wanted to put out the podcast as well. So I hope you understand all of this was recorded prior to the awful events uh, that took place. And this show features some jokes about Scottish independence and an interview with the Labour MP, Jess Phillips. Hello, I'm Matt Ford. Welcome to Unspun the show that welcomes the comedy value of Theresa May triggering Article 50 on March the 29th. As it's the birthday of Remain campaigner John Major, the wedding anniversary of Remain campaigner Tony Blair, and it'll be seven weeks to the day since Remain campaigner Jeremy Corbyn finally started campaigning to stay in the EU. <laughs> it's been another busy week. One appointment dominated media news this week. Thought by many to be too busy to give the job his full attention and possibly lacking the relevant experience... Unspun wishes Noel Fielding all the best with presenting the bake-off. <laughs> Funds for the repair of parts of Buckingham Palace have been approved by the government. It's feared that some parts of the building are no longer fit for the Queen and Prince Philip, especially the bathrooms. Full of leaky pipework and liable to spew filth at any moment, Prince Philip can't be left without a bathroom. <laughs> Tributes are being paid this week to former Deputy First Minister of Northern Ireland and former member of the IRA, Martin McGuinness. Norman Tebbit said that he wished him an eternity in hell. Or, in other words, meant he'd see him soon. <laughs> in tonight's thrilling show, more referendum madness, more American idiocy, and I'll be joined by the Labour MP who tells it like it is, the one-woman whirlwind that is Jess Phillips. As always, you're absolutely right to be excited. As always, I'm joined by my house band of real MPs. They're burning down the house, which was already in need of desperate renovation. <laughs> it's MP4! <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, George Osborne taking the job at The Standard. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, I think he's taking a mick, really, isn't he? But apparently he's going to be renamed Gideon's Bible now that he's <laughs> taken over. <laughs> and how do you feel about the, the thorny issue of second jobs? I mean, you're technically rock stars as a second job. I mean, is that... Yeah. Does that cause trouble with your colleagues? Yeah, that's not a bad job. Good point. Yeah. Is this the second oh, job? Oh, yeah, this is the second job. Good luck with the rest of the series. What's going on here? This was not rehearsed. I've got... Greg coming straight back. Look at that. I need the money. I need the money. <laughs> it was the SNP Spring Conference at the weekend and Nicola Sturgeon reaffirmed her big commitment. The people of Scotland will have a choice. There will be an independence referendum. Yeah, there already has been. <laughs> you know what they say, referendums are like buses. Well, more like night buses. Uh, you wait for one for ages, then a lot of fights break out and you get off because you feel sick. <laughs> The issue dominated the SNP conference this weekend. The only light relief was provided by Kevin Bridges' sound-alike. Conference. For too long, the Labour Party and the Tories have told communities across Scotland what they cannot do. It's time for us to start showing people in this country what they can do. Thank you, Palmer Smith or Paul Law. 
Constitutionally, the Scottish Government needs the agreement of the UK Government to hold a referendum, as Scotland is still part of the UK, due to an ancient piece of legislation called the Referendum of 2014. <laughs> the law also dictates that no referendum can take place in the UK without the involvement of Gordon Brown. Every time. <laughs> it's a tricky one for Theresa May. She can either agree to a referendum she doesn't want, which makes independence more likely, or she can deny the Scottish people a referendum, which creates more resentment and makes independence more likely. It's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> so, which way did she go? So I say that's my job as Prime Minister. And so for that reason, uh, I say to the SNP, now is not the time. Now is not the time. <laughs> Does sound a bit patronising. So one thing guaranteed to provoke the SNP is talking to them like a naughty five-year-old. <laughs> Now's not the time. Off you go. Adults talking. <laughs> uh, uh, walk, don't run. <laughs> she also added that it wasn't fair to the people of Scotland for a very specific reason. I think it wouldn't be fair to the people of Scotland because they'd be being asked to make a crucial decision without the necessary information, without knowing what the future partnership will be. <sighs> yeah, imagine, imagine what that would be like. If... <laughs> There's some sort of parallel we could draw. <laughs> for all some people enjoy referendums, for many others they are painful and divisive experiences. A lot of misinformation gets spread about, and Alex Salmond himself has been the victim of vicious rumours. It's often claimed that he'd held the 24 referendum as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. As he was keen to point out on the radio this weekend, he never actually said it. But can I just correct you one thing? The, the phrase was not once-in-a-lifetime. Oh. It was the opportunity of a lifetime, and I said, ah. it, I said it on the Andrew Marr show. So you can, can you pledge that Alex Salmond will not bring back another referendum if you don't win this one? Well, that's my view. My view, this is a, a once-in-a-generation, perhaps even <laughs> a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Busted. <laughs> so, in this second once-in-a-lifetime referendum, can they do it this time? You may have seen the polling released this weekend, which puts yes on 44%, and no on 56%. One poll is just a snapshot, of course. The Scottish Social Attitude Survey takes a longer view and shows that support for independence now stands at 46%, just 1% higher than the 45% achieved by the Yes campaign in 2014. But that doesn't tell the full story. At the start of that campaign, back in 2012, support for independence stood at just 23%. It has doubled in four years. If it continues to grow at this rate, Nicola Sturgeon just needs to hold off until 2020 when support for independence will be at 92%. <laughs> or wait for 2024 when it will be 184%. <laughs> which, according to Momentum, is Jeremy Corbyn's current approval rating. <laughs> so, fellas, and firstly, Pete. Yes. It looks like there is definitely going to be a second referendum. Do you think you'll win it this time? Oh, absolutely. I can't see any reason why we would lose this time round. I mean, I think the overwhelming place where we are in Scotland, the choice between staying in a hard Brexit, Tory-run UK or making these decisions on their own, it's going to be overwhelming this time, Matt. If it does happen, and it feels as if, though, the movement is going that way, what would you miss about being a member of the UK? I'd miss these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, thanks very much. <laughs> Just over a week ago, the Chancellor's budget ended in the traditional manner with a humiliating U-turn. <laughs> to analyse why tax is such a prickly issue, please welcome our analyst, Andy Zaltzman. <laughs> Hello. Andy, welcome to the show. Uh, you're our resident tax specialist. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I won't be needing these, then. <laughs> 
<laughs> why? Why do you think tax is such a thorny issue? Matt, the root of the problem is unfairness, and that is a difficult potato to unbake, as Philip Hammond himself discovered, of course, during his, uh, his budget when he used the tax sledgehammer to crack himself in the nuts. <laughs> the six-foot-eleven-inch Chancellor from Epping, he, of course, stands behind a special prism to make himself look normal-sized. Uh, he said, uh, big billy, big budgets, he said that... <laughs> and, I, and I quote, a fair system ensures that those with the broadest shoulders are bearing the heaviest burden. Now, the problem is, in matters of burden-bearing, the breadth of your shoulders is only partially relevant. Now, <laughs> the ancient Incas were a very wise people when it came to financial inequality. Were they? Yes, and they had a famous saying about shouldering tax burdens. Did they? Yes, they did, Matt. <laughs> and that saying was this. An elephant with Hulk Hogan on its shoulders <laughs> barely notices. <laughs> but, a, but a gerbil with Kylie Minogue on its shoulders... Big problem. Big, big problem. <laughs> Wise people, the Intex. It was the Azkas, Matt. It was the Azkas. <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. Your mistake. <laughs> but is it not inevitable that any tax system will have small unfairnesses in it? Well, yes. I mean, for example, when it comes to VAT, tampons are taxed, but amongst the things that are exempt from VAT, according to five minutes' research on the internet, <laughs> are uh, dogskin children's clothes, <laughs> bingo, <laughs> kangaroo steaks, and airships, the big four. Well, <laughs> all basic necessities in my book. You need a new book. <laughs> what, what book are you reading? Is that the George Osborne Guide to the Perfect Stag <laughs> <laughs> The reason... The reason, fundamentally, is that our tax system is like my great-uncle Bernard, in that it is completely incomprehensible if you haven't known him for years, uh, gratuitously hostile to poor people, um, <laughs> oddly inconsistent about biscuits... <laughs> Deeply, deeply uncomfortable with the concept of menstruation. <laughs> so why do you think tax is so perennially unpopular? Well, fundamentally, it's because we don't tax children. Um, <laughs> or, or, or at least we don't introduce children to the concept of taxation when they are young and impressionable. Uh, for example, have you ever discussed tax with your children? I don't have children. How very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do a quick social experiment to prove my point. I'll just ask the audience, who here... Loves paying tax. OK, by comparison, <laughs> give me a cheer if you like football. Yeah. OK, and give me a cheer if you like music. Yeah. So, there we go. No-one likes paying tax. <laughs> Quite a lot of people like football. Most people like music. There's a direct correlation here, Matt. <laughs> it all comes down to when we're introduced to these things in our lives. We start kicking the ball around with kids when they're two, three years old, introduce them to the offside rule at four, maybe. Uh, music... <laughs> Music from birth, even in the womb. I know I played the greatest hits of Banana Armour to my kids from <laughs> pretty much shortly before conception. But <laughs> tax, tax. Am I sharing? Am I sharing too much? Tax, <laughs> tax is never discussed. So what the government needs to do is introduce a new tax for kids scheme to introduce British children to the concept of taxation. But how would that work? Well, Matt, every newsagent, supermarket and sweet shop in the country will be fitted up with one of these. A simple <laughs> HMRC bucket into which kids have to put 22% of each little packet of sweets that they buy. <laughs> but what if they buy one of those big bags of family sweets? Well, that's... Uh, then, obviously, they have to put 40% uh, of those in. But what if they buy absolutely loads of sweets? Well, then they can just shove them all in a rucksack and walk straight out, no questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
It weans them onto the way the system works. Weans them on. Andy, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Zoltzman. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now it's time for my special guest. She's one of Labour's rising stars, famed for her straight-talking style and probably the only MP who has a passion for cheesy 90s R&B, it's Jess Phillips. That for Amazing! I can't believe they're playing TLC. You should have got one of them to do the Lisa Left Eye Lopez Under Eye. That would have been, <laughs> <laughs> that been brilliant. But wasn't, it, wasn't it a condom she used to have on, on her eye? No, you're thinking of someone else. Nelly used to wear a plaster. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking of Nelly. Nelly, yeah. Completely <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms of your experience as a parliament, then, mm-hmm. you've, you've come from uh, the West Midlands, you used to work for Women's Aid. Mm-hmm. You come to parliament. What experience is that like for a, a young working-class woman from Birmingham? Um, it's... I mean, it's not as much of a shock as I think people think it would be uh, to go there. Um, it's, it's a weird place to work. You start to forget that it's like being in a weird palace of history. Um, and when people come in and they are genuinely like, I can't believe this place, you forget that you to look up sometimes and see where you work. But it's it's nothing like where I come from. There's nothing about it that is like anywhere else that I have ever worked. But there must be... Like, kids at school always used to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was just normal. In my friend's WhatsApp group, though, they say here, here to everything I say (laughs) to take the piss out of me. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, there's not even people saying here, here. I'm sure the bank can agree to it. It's not even here, here. It's like nasal. It's like... (laughs) What is that noise they're making? Yeah, 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 yeah. being throttled, Greg. It's, it's <laughs> genuinely like mooing, like a, a mooing noise. And it's a shock when you first get there because you're like, what is that that you just did? That is amazing. But do you join in with it? I definitely join in with the heckling, <laughs> I'm afraid. You know, I don't go from... You know, I can't even do it, whatever. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't do that, but I, I am a heckler. 
I'm definitely a heckler. What's the worst thing you've shouted in Parliament? I almost certainly have sworn very loudly and had a blind eye turned to it. But sometimes when people are saying things that are totally ridiculous yeah. and don't represent normal life at all, okay. it's so hard not to. Well, I'll be Boris Johnson. <laughs> oh, I mean... And you heckle me as you would. I, has the honourable lady? I know, no, no. I, come on. I, is it not the right? Not only of Conservative MPs, but indeed the right of most people uh, to edit uh, not just a newspaper, but a leaflet, a pamphlet, whatever they choose to turn their talent to. Uh, and I hear the Honourable Lady uh, muttering from a sedentary position. She's often wont to do, uh, Mr Speaker. But should we not defend the right of, of those brave men and women who decide not only to take on one career, but six, these wonderful... <laughs> These wonderful, these are the hard-working families, are they not, uh, Miss Phillips? Do you want me to shout what I would shout at yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would shout, you know, I'd be shouting, are you living in the real world? Or, you know, they speak of little else in Birmingham Yardley is a uh, classic <laughs> when any Tory says anything about anything. They're like, oh, yes, the people of Birmingham Yardley speak of little else <laughs> other than this that you're saying. But you never go, oh, what a load of old shit. <laughs> oh, almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> almost certainly. Because sometimes, obviously, things do get heated, as you yes. say, in Parliament but not in the Chamber. Yeah. Uh, and they did with Diane Abbott. Yes. Uh, you had an argument with her yeah. fairly early on in your um, time as a, uh, a parliamentarian, where uh, you told her to fuck off. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happened? She did. <laughs> <laughs> What I meant was what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was I was really really upset because no, it, it was the weekend that every single position in the Labour Party, every mayoral candidate, every the leader, the deputy leader. Um, all of the top jobs, all of the four great offices of state, or the shadow of, um, were given to men. Mm. And I, w I felt genuinely upset about that. And so I started off by being like, oh, hi, Jeremy, we don't... We don't know each other on chess. Nice to meet you, sort of thing. But anyway, and then I sort of laid into the fact that I felt politically homeless from a party I'd just dedicated all of my life to um, defending. And, and I wanted to know what he was going to do about it because whilst he had no control over the election bit of it, that's, you know, can't blame Jeremy for that, he did give out the jobs. So I went up to him and I said, um, I'm really, you know, I don't want, I want to work together to make this right. I, you know, this really matters to me. And then Diane Abbott came, when we, me and Jeremy were having a perfectly cordial conversation and was like, you're not the only feminist in the Labour Party. And I was just like, oh. I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and she just went, oh. <laughs> To be fair, she, she just... She just, she just went. And, and, what, and what did Jeremy Corbyn do? He just sort of went... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... Quite an awkward position for him to be put in, really. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And you know what? Both of us deserve to be told off. If I'd, if I'd been in Jeremy Corbyn's position, I would have behaved like I behaved with my children and been like, pack it in, the pair of you. <laughs> oh, you're driving me mad! <laughs> like, how many times do I have to tell you? Just get on with each other. That's what I would have done if I was Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> One of the other stories uh, this week has been about Momentum and Unite mm -hmm. and a, a, the possibility of a deal between the two, Unite affiliating to Momentum and trying to take over the Labour Party, whatever it is that Tom Watson's... Uh, uh, alleging. Do you think that's true? Well, I mean, it's not that Tom Watson's alleging it, it's that John Lansman, who is, I don't know, 
chief dude at uh, <laughs> Momentum. I don't. I genuinely do, president El Presidente <laughs> of, of Momentum said it. It's not. It, it's not that Tom Watson alleged it. It's there was a recording of him saying that Unite were going to affiliate and that they had a basically a strategy for um, getting into regional Labour Party power structures. So it might not be true, but if it's not, then it's because John Lansman's a liar. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable to, to think, actually, that you've only been an MP since 2015. So high is your profile and how big some of your campaigns have been. One of my favourite rounds that you had was with the Conservative MP, Philip Davis, who, during a discussion on International Women's Day, asked, why isn't there an International Men's Day? Um, even though there is. Yeah. <laughs> and one would argue that there are 364 Men's Days mm -hmm. uh, in the year. Um, you two have had a number of sort of set-piece rounds. Do you get on with him now? I mean, it's a funny thing, my relationship with Philip Davies, because one-to-one, <laughs> -one, we're not, like, rude to each other. Um, but his way of fighting for men's rights is to say, oh, the girls have got everything! <laughs> when, you know, we've got literally nothing, uh, is, is really, really, really annoying. You don't have to hate on someone else to get your way, and that is Philip Davies' modus operandi. So how much... Um... There's obviously elements of uh, sexism that are uh, sort of avert, mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's a sort of whole size and scale of them. How much explicit sexism do you still encounter as a Member of Parliament? I don't encounter it very much because I think that people are wise enough to know that if they were explicitly sexist towards me, I would shout and scream at them and tweet it to the world. <laughs> um, so I don't suffer, but I encounter an awful lot. I mean, just encountering any time that Jeremy Hunt um, answers questions from the dispatch box, which he did today, the difference in the way that he talks to men and the way he talks to women is completely and utterly different. So how... he, he will patronise women. He will say things like, oh, I don't think you understood. Actually, what we're doing is this. And whereas he says, even to opposition men, oh, you make a good point. It's like, it wasn't even a good point. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even a good point. But he, he's really condescending. And you get a lot of this in the chamber. Shh, shh. So they'll just, they'll look at you and oh, shush yeah. you. And what do you say when they're shushing you? Uh, I, I mean, I shout things like, you're not my dad! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! That must slightly confuse them a bit. <laughs> it would be confusing if I said, you are my dad! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Tories who have had a affair with mistresses thinking, well, I'm glad that's been clear. <laughs> that that woman. a moment there. <laughs> Homely woman in Birmingham, yes, all those 30 years ago. <laughs> Tory pop conferences are in Birmingham, of course, so... <laughs> <laughs> Jess, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Jess Phillips. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks once again to Jess Phillips. And as always, here to play us out, it's the lawmakers of rock and roll, MP4. <laughs> Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, this week's podcasted version uh, of Unspun. 
Uh, obviously, all our thoughts are with those affected by the awful um, events in Westminster this week. Uh, Westminster's a big part of the show, and it's been a big part of my life. Um, so it's something that is very much in our thoughts and something that we will talk about on the show next week. So thanks for your understanding. You can catch the show next Wednesday at 10 o'clock on Dave, and you can watch it on Catch Up as well on UK TV Play.